The Distraction, hosted by former Deadspin writers Drew McGarry and David Roth, is a new sports podcast coming from Defector and Stitcher. Join the guys and their guests as they break down the week in sports while addressing their fair share of off-the-field issues. Whether it's discussing NBA players getting testy in the bubble, Bill Belichick cutting 80% of his roster just to keep himself interested, or horrifying takes from sports talk radio that need to be broken down, Drew and Roth are ready to serve you some hot sports action. But do stick around for a few extra distractions. You deserve them. Listen and subscribe to The Distraction, a Defector podcast, right now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Maybe I'm crazy, but the Pittsburgh Steelers need a new quarterback, and I have a solution for the backup. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to Maybe I'm Crazy Podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well and staying safe. We are... I think in week eight or 14, I don't know. I lost track, but hope you're doing well. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure that you subscribe. Fun show today. So MJ Acosta, one of my closest friends in the world, went to college together at Barry University, Barry Bucks. We know each other from Miami. Uh, she's a reporter for NFL Network in the Bay Area, covers the Raiders and the 49ers. So she's going to hop on with us and talk about all the recent NFL news. We're also going to talk about the MJ doc, The Last Dance. I have lots of thoughts on that. Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Space Jam, A New Legacy. The logo is out. And of course, we'll catch up with T and the Culture Report, Shantiera, Donnie, and Heller on as usual. But let's get started with MJ Acosta. All right. Very excited to have my friend MJ Acosta of NFL Network on the podcast again. How are you doing, friends? I'm good. Trying to keep myself calm, drink my coffee, and mind my business in this <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> uh, let's show everyone your froth. You got a new frother. It's very exciting. It's the single best Amazon purchase that I've made the entire pandemic, other than like every light on the universe <laughs> for my in-home studio. But yes, I'm, I'm actually, obsessed with frothing. I've been really good about Amazon. Um, I, I, I've not really bought anything I didn't actually need. I bought one thing that I didn't need. Well, I mean, you needed, the, you needed the frother. No, it wasn't the frother. Oh. It was a crown. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you know what, though? Like, it's it's part of the decor for your yeah. office. So I don't actually hate that purchase. Uh, it, I think, it was, I think like, it was 20 bucks. Right. Okay. And, like, clothes you're going to wear outside. That's kind of a waste of, of money at this point. But um, other than that, if you're buying, like, comfy clothes, that makes sense. Um, but okay. So you're wearing your dolphins cheer shirt and I see your dolphins, uh, football behind you and you have your dolphins mug. So we should get started with some very sad news that we got yesterday. Uh, The great legendary Don Shula passed at the age of 90. Um, just a sweet and generous, amazing guy. But, you know, as, as always happens when, when someone that, you know, that status passes, you kind of look back on their, career and their accomplishments and it's kind of it's staggering what Don Shula accomplished in his time in the NFL I mean it's unmatched literally it is unmatched what he has what he accomplished as a coach but I think what he brought to the game um and of course I'm biased in South Florida in Miami specifically he was everywhere he was ubiquitous with South Florida and what the sports culture and what the sports scene there was I remember my rookie season as a Dolphins cheerleader was the 40th 
anniversary of the perfect season. So we got to wear these like 72 little jerseys out on the field and we honored Shula. He was out on the field with us at halftime and it was just, it was beyond you, his presence just being there. So I think that's, I think what hits most people, even if you're not from Miami, right? Like you just know who he is as a coach uh, throughout the league and what he did for the game early, early days of the NFL. It's, it's sad to see him go, but I hold on to everything that he brought to everybody. Right. And having only two losing seasons in his entire career, being the winningest head coach of all time, uh, all of the countless Hall of Famers that he coaches, he coached, yeah. obviously, the, the 72 season, which as Dolphins fans, we hold on to for dear life. <laughs> for dear but, life. Um, yeah, I mean, I was uh, we were talking about it yesterday. Um, and obviously, you know, anybody who has ties to the Dolphins or South Florida, you know, it was a, a sad morning day for us. But I feel like to, to put put a, you know, I don't know, a a ribbon on everything that Don Shula was. When I think of Don, I just always picture him. um, He's just the Don. It's the perfect name for him. He was just like the Don. I just saw him at uh, NFL Honors. So he was, I was actually in, in the row, in his row. Uh, So yeah, uh, sitting a few seats down from him. So I got this, got to say hello to him. And uh, head coach Brian Flores, which was, you know, you know, a very nice moment for me. But yeah, he's just, he's, he's one of those people that you just say his name and he's synonymous with greatness and you don't have to explain it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to share that with someone from South Florida who understands the importance that Don Shula was to the organization. A hundred percent. I think anyone who's ever met him, like I love scrolling through yesterday and seeing all the pictures of the first time I met Shula and like the last interview I had with him. And like it, his expression was always the same. I was like, do want to hug him? So uh, definitely a, a big loss for the football family. Yeah, he was the patriarch of the Dolphins organization, which I think that they put in the statement. And I thought that was a perfect way to yeah. describe what Don Shula was. So the Dolphins are going to look a lot different next year. We got our guy oh, yeah. to a Tunga Vailoa. Now, as we know, as everyone knows, I was I was holding out hope to yeah. the last second that they were going to pull some move and get Joe Burrow. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, when I talk about the Dolphins and Tua, um, I think I was just having this conversation yesterday. When it comes to Miami, Miami is a very hard place to describe to someone who hasn't spent a significant amount of time there. Miami right. has an image that, you know, the entire city is just this little sliver on South Beach. Even when LeBron said he was coming to my, I'm taking my talent to South Beach. No, you're not. You're taking them to downtown Miami. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They don't play in South Beach. We know what you're saying. But, you know, there's there's a lot more to Miami, the city, the energy, the people, than just South Beach. Actually, if you live in Miami, you probably don't spend a lot of time on South Beach unless you live there. It's like impossible to get over there, first of all. Right. But nobody understands this, right? So I'm I'm trying to explain that my resistance with Tua to Miami wasn't that I don't think he's talented. And it's not that I think he's a fragile court like player. There are certain people, certain players just like just you're always hurt. It's like someone breathes in your direction and you're hurt. And that's not their fault, but it's just they're just an injury prone player. I don't think that 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 is what Tua is. I think Tua is very tough. I just think he extends plays beyond what is necessary and puts himself in positions where he's half, he has to be more athletic than his defenders, right. which most of the case you're not. So that's what I think has been the result of, which has led to his injuries. But the, the bigger thing with Tua is fit. It's hard to describe when you think of the greatest players in South Florida history, 
they have some things in common. Dwayne Wade, right? When you think of South Florida yeah. sports, Dwayne Wade, you think of, of course, Dan Marino. Marino. You think of yep. my, my brother, Jason Taylor, mm-hmm. Jose Fernandez. You think of oh, yeah. um, even, you know, Giancarlo Stanton for a while. Like whoever it is that's going to, to take over and win the hearts and minds of the, the South Florida area, you got to have a little something with you. And you have to have that. <laughs> yes. And it's hard to, exp- I don't know. I don't know if Tua has that yet. And I'm hoping he does. And maybe we just haven't seen it. Cause you know, he's at Alabama, it's Nick Saban. And you know, it, 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 I, I just don't know. Do you see that? Cause I know, you know what I'm talking about. You know about. when I saw it for the first time was on draft night. My boy came through with a full three-piece suit. If that doesn't say I'm ready to conquer South Florida, I don't know what does. I think he was the only prospect that night who actually still dressed up and made sure, listen, this is my moment. I'm trying to think back. We had folks in robes. We had a lot of jeans and T-shirts. I think he was the only one in like a full suit, a three-piece suit at that. I think so I'm that, with it. Yeah. I think now that I think about it, yeah, I think he was the only. Everyone had their fit. But I, but I think he was the only one that was still in the suit. Like full suit. It was, imbro- I mean, I loved it. But beyond just that little glimmer of swag that he showed us that night, um, I think that he is the type of player who wants to prove people wrong. He's very well-spoken. He's very polished, which is great because you need that in your franchise quarterback. But beyond that, I think he has that grit in him. I think it's still to be seen. Um, but I think with all of the spotlight on him, especially with all of his injuries, that he will rise to the occasion. At least this is the fan in me putting putting in a lot of faith that he'll pull it out and show us that he has that same gumption and that same sparkle and X factor that we've seen from uh, many Miami greats. Yeah, I think he definitely has uh, He's a chip on the shoulder guy. And he's a winner, which I like as well. But what sure. I like the most about what the Dolphins did in the draft this year, um, outside from drafting a lot of linemen, which is what you should do when you're rebuilding. But they also didn't have to move. They stayed very comfortably at at the position that they earned at five, didn't have to give anything Mm -hmm. up, and took the guy that they wanted because Herbert was available. Exactly. I think that they knew exactly what they were going to do going in. And they they had plenty of power, equity, draft capital, to make it happen if they wanted to move or if they wanted to really pull out some kind of huge uh, trade, but they didn't. They've been eyeing Tua forever, Chris Greer and Brian Flores. This is the guy that they wanted. And I think it would have had to take like a monumental or like very, very negative medical report for them to sway from that. I think they had their mind made up long, long time ago. So now the AFC East is obviously very different. Tom Brady, he's in Tampa. Down. Who'd have thunk it? But that's not where me. he is. <laughs> no, I didn't either. Um, but I like it now. I actually do. I've, I've completely come around on it. It took me a couple days for it to wash over me. And then I just, now, now I'm completely bought into it. I can't wait to see what happens. Not that I was happy. I was happy he left Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Right. I just didn't right. expect Tampa. But the AFC East is totally different now. So the last 20 years of our lives, we've been in peril. <laughs> yes, we just knew what was going to happen. Well, now uh, the Dolphins have their guy. And I like the direction that they're heading in. And even though they were tanking last year, they played really tough and they're establishing a culture. I think that the Bills are still the team to beat in the AFC East. They're coming back with the same quarterback and the same coach, which I think is huge. They made a playoff run last year. Yeah, no. I mean, look, they fell apart in the second half. But uh, but regardless, like you're going to get better every year. But I think specifically for this year, it's always important. But very specifically for this year with everything that's happening, the Mm -hmm. teams that are bringing the same quarterback coach 
coordinator combination back are at a decided advantage. So that's why I'm putting the Bills, obviously, at the top of the AFC East. Now, the Jets, I think, are interesting because Sam Darnold's not going to have mono. Literally, that's so, what I wrote in parentheses. Mono? Question mono. Mark? No mono. I mean, hopefully he knows how to avoid the mono. Uh, avoid the kissing disease. We got it. All right. Everyone's wearing masks. You should be fine. But I think New England is going to be terrible. And I don't I, when, pe- when I say that people like are pushing back on this so hard. I don't understand it. Unless you really, truly believe that Jared Siddham is the next Tom Brady. What are you talking about? We know what their defense is. OK, cool. How many pieces, how many veteran pieces did they did they lose? And like, it's not that I'm saying they're going to be terrible forever, but this year they are going to be the worst in the AFC. Yeah. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I think that's a very, very feasible scenario for the Patriots this year. Jared Sinem, bless his heart. Like, we can make the argument, okay, he's been learning from Brady and, and Belichick for all of these years just sitting there. That's not the same as being out on the field and being the guy. Nowhere near. You can't make the comparison. Now, if what I think may happen happens and they somehow feel comfortable enough with bringing in Cam Newton and Cam Newton is healthy, no more talking different, different things. But that's still a ways away at this point. If we're just looking at the Patriots as they are right now, the pieces that they have, and that includes Jarrett Stidham as QB1, it's not going to be cute in 2020. It's not going to be cute. It's going to be not cute. It's not cute what they're trying to do. But, okay, so let's talk about, let's, let's talk about Cam Newton for a second because I, I love Cam Newton. I, I think the media is extremely hypocritical about Cam Newton. We love having individuals like Cam Newton to cover because they're interesting and they provide content and they're discussable, but all of those things then make it a negative for him when it's time for him to find a job. I don't have a problem with Carolina moving off of Cam Newton at this point. Um, If you didn't see a future with him, this is the perfect time to do that. Bring in Teddy Bridgewater, who I I love. Um, I like him. Yeah. Yeah. And Cam Newton should be a starter somewhere. However, you can't just flippantly say that, right? Like, lots of people should be things, but situations and scenarios and environments affect that. The the market is saturated at this point. Okay. So oversaturated. Right. So yes, he should be a starter, but unless they're, you know, expanding the league at this point, everyone pretty much has their starter. Now everyone doesn't have their backup. And we're seeing this with Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston who are starting quarterbacks in this league. Okay. But there's no, there's not a place for them right now. So they're taking these one-year deals at great organizations where they can develop or just reestablish themselves as clear starters. Jameis Winston, I think, is in a better situation than Andy Dolan, who I don't think will see the field much this year. Right. But, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Drew Brees. Marcus Mariota, same thing, heading to the Raiders. Marcus Mariota, who I think, I think we know what Marcus Mariota is at this point, but that's fine. <laughs> like, it's, it's a great situation for him. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he probably will see the field at some point this year. My thing with Cam Newton is, is he said he doesn't want to be a backup, right? Okay, well, then that limits you to someone getting injured and not yeah. just someone getting injured, someone getting injured who doesn't have one of these backups that we just mentioned. So if Dak Prescott, I mean, God forbid, like we're not wishing this on anyone, we're just having this conversation. No, no. Say Dak Prescott goes down. Well, Andy Dalton's in. Say Drew Brees goes down. Well, Jameis Winston's in. Or Taysom Hill, some combination of that. Yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater goes down. They're not bringing him back there. You no. know what I mean? So they're like... 49ers, um, Oakland, or sorry, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. That's going to take a while. <laughs> um, you know, these are not situations for him. No. So I actually think, one, I think he should take a backup role. There's no, sh- there's no shame in that. 
there's no uh i i actually think it's i actually think it could be a great chapter in your story for the next team for where you end up next like i think that would that, that will actually help cam newton and not that i think he needs help because i think it's bullshit he's in this situation to begin with but he is in this situation so like don't worry about like why fix it solution or this is what right? it is Right, so you you don't want to take a backup role. I do think if he took a backup role, it should be with the Steelers. Oh, I why didn't I, I didn't think of that possibility. Their backup situation is trash. Atrocious. Mason, yeah. Yeah. Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, Hodges are not where it's at. As you said earlier, that's not cute. That's probably why I didn't think of it because I'm like, who is even over there, like behind? No, we saw right. them last year. Like they're not they're they're not the guy, right? And <laughs> we don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be. He's walking around here in this mountain man beard. Okay, looking like he chops wood for a living. And I mean, he's not, he's, he, we're all talking about appearances all the time. Cam Newton, I mean, what is this? What is this, Ben? Like, you're scared. Right, me. what's happening? It's the perfect situation. Also, because Cam Newton is obviously a superstar. So this whole idea of this Tebow effect of you don't want to bring in a superstar backup. Well, no matter what Ben Roethlisberger does this year, outside of actually getting injured, no matter how bad he plays, they're not going to put Cam Newton in unless he's injured. It's just not the environment right. in Pittsburgh. It's not what Pittsburgh does. It's not how they roll. It's Ben Roethlisberger's team until his body forces otherwise. So right. it's it's actually a great situation. I like. I mean, look how well it turned out for Ryan Tannehill going right. to Tennessee. Look at him now. And look at the season that they had last year. I think it, it, it's super beneficial, especially – and they have similar similar injury histories here in that sense where it was – I think he needed that time. So like chill, all right, cool. I have a job, which of course is the primary uh, right. goal here is to get a job in the NFL. Um, I like the Steelers scenario. I think that would be great. And I don't think that Cam is, he's a smart guy. He knows if that's what he needs to do, that he's going to do it. NFL has more QBs than they know what to do with at this point, which I don't know if it's how long ago it's been since that's happened. I can't think of a time, truly. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thinking if he's like a Pittsburgh type of guy like does he fit we were talking about fit with Tua like does he fit in that I mean long term long term yeah kind of Pittsburgh's kind of Pittsburgh's one of those places where it's very sneaky flashy like think of the triple B's Ben Roethlisberger Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown was nothing subtle about the Steelers during that time Troy Polamalu Jerome Bettis Terry Bradshaw uh steel curtain like they're a flashy organization don't don't let the uh pittsburgh blue collar you know steelworker city uh iron city uh swag fool you there there it, it is a town that has a lot of pride and the steelers specifically are a very flashy organization so it's not that i i i actually don't think long term that wouldn't be a fit for him i do think it would mm-hmm. and once pittsburgh embraces you like once the city actually embraces you yeah. then nobody can mess with you. You have to you have to kind of get in, you know, and stay in cuz which once, is fair. You know, we're is it we're you know, kind of a petty city, you know, if we turn on you it's not going to be very good for you. But <laughs> but in the meantime, you're good. You're good. If you're ours, you're good. Um so I actually do think it would be a fit there. I don't think he's coming he would be coming there to replace Ben Roethlisberger though. I think it would be a one-year situation. Mm-hmm. You have a solid backup. You can see what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be moving forward this year to know if you need to draft right. a, a quarterback in the future, which is what I think they should do. But more importantly, you're in an organization, a respected organization in the Steelers, a, a, a cornerstone NFL franchise, and you're backing up a future Hall of Famer for a year. So what? 
It's one game. Okay. So speaking of the the market being saturated, yeah. the 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 Packers decided to pull a fast one on this and reboot the Brett Favre situation. Right. Which which I feel like is is very disingenuous to compare book for book the no. Packers situation with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and the situation with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. They're, the they're, they're two different yeah. scenarios. Aaron Rodgers is coming off a 13 and three season NFC championship game. Okay. And they ran into a buzzsaw in the 49ers, which, are, which, and you know, Saturday. very well. Yeah. Right. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, MJ covers the Las Vegas Raiders and the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers. Um, so, you know, very well what that team was. It was a hopeless situation, but they had a great season yeah. and went to the NFC championship game. Brett Favre, they were in the wild card game against the Vikings and lost the year that they took Aaron Rodgers. Right. So, yeah, it, it's not the same same situation at all. On, on top of that, many people felt like Jordan Love was extremely overdrafted and you traded up to get him. Okay. So I think I, that's the part that surprised me the most is that they traded up to get him. Right. So, like, what uh, is that thing? My thing is now the, the, the conversations now are okay, LaFleur sending a message to Aaron Rodgers. I'm just wondering who is Matt LaFleur? <laughs> you just got here. Who are you? Got here. It's insane. I don't. Is it a message or is it just like, no, this is what I want to do. This is the direction. I don't think that you and I are going to be a fit long term. Like, is this the, like that ominous text message you get from a from somebody right before they dump you? That's what I feel like this is. But it's not a subtle text. It's a very big, no, like, I think this is the like, I'm like, let me introduce you to my this is my friend. So and so. And you're like, I've never met this friend before. Like, no, you haven't because they're new. <laughs> right. And they're soon to be a really good friend. It's one of those situations. I just, I feel like the Packers were right there. I was really on the Packers bandwagon all season. And the way that people talk about the Packers last year is like, oh, they were frauds or frauds. Like they, they weren't really a, a good team. Like how? They beat the teams that they were on their schedule. They, they beat 13 of them. And then they beat some more in the playoffs yeah. and went to the NFC championship game. So like, what am I missing here? How, I just don't understand how you justify that move at this point next year, maybe, but to not, to not try and go all in on a situation when you were right there last year and take right. in the first round and trade up to get in the first round, a quarterback who may or may not be ready in three years is not good management. It's a massive gamble, a massive gamble uh, on every level. I think not just with what you're doing internally within the organization, but also with the structure now moving forward and, and, and you're, you're sort of putting your chips on the table to say, well, maybe this will work out because nobody freaking knows what's going to happen once these kids get out there and he's not going to see the field next season. No, zero percent chance. Zero he's percent not going to sniff grass. Nope. Not even a little. He does smoke grass. Though. So, you know that. <laughs> he can't get in trouble no more. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay. So there's been, um, the, oh, well, I guess I should ask you this because this is what I'm assuming happened. So Jimmy G overthrows Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl, and oh. all of a sudden they're talking about possibly bringing in Tom Brady to replace him. Is there? I mean, I think it's insane. I think it's laughable. Like yeah. it's it's insane. Yes, and we know this happened. Like it's, I'm not making this up. Like John right. Lynch said, they had this conversation with Jimmy G. Is there any feeling in the organization, like any actual? shake up about whether Jimmy G is the future of the 49ers. 
from what I'm told, I've had several conversations with people that that's not the case. That's not the tone. And they certainly invested not only emotionally, but in a big paycheck to Jimmy G. And, and that's the direction they're going. And I think they see that he hasn't even really reached his, his peak potential as a quarterback. And he's just now getting into a rhythm with a group of receivers. They brought in a huge get now uh, through the draft. I think that that group is only going to get better, but it's really going to push him like, all right, we really got to see you be able to make these decisions on the field uh, and, and really get the aerial attack going. Like obviously the run game, dominated so why would you not run the ball if it's working so well and Kyle Shanahan is calling all of the all the plays right but in terms of what his future is there he's the guy I mean they're paying him a buttload of money like why would he not be the guy beyond that they went to the Super Bowl (laughs) okay but I'm saying though like it's I I agree like you paid him and he had an incredible season I After coming off ACL, are you kidding? Like, right. I, all I could hear yeah. about all season was that the 49ers were going to win the Super Bowl, and there was there was no chance that the Chiefs were even going to pull it off. And he had one, like, okay, so he had a few mistakes in the Super Bowl. There was a couple moments where right. I'm like, I don't know what this guy's doing. But, okay, that, somebody's got to lose. And those will haunt him, for sure, sure for the rest of like, his career. Even if they win this season, it'll haunt him forever, no matter what. Like, don't but, throw the baby out with the bathwater? Right, right, I'm not right, really exactly. quite sure what that means, but I think that applies here. <laughs> it does. Maybe just it relax. Does. It's all good. Calm down for two seconds. Two seconds. He did that. Yes, it was awful. It was in the biggest game of the year. It wasn't in like week five. It was in the Super Bowl. Nerves, you got to get that together. For sure, you got to get that together. All those mistakes. But what they've been building, because that's the thing, people think it's like this overnight success with the 49ers. They've been building that Super Bowl caliber team for three years now. And finally, it all clicked. And finally, everything came together. And their defense was unstoppable. And they had three, sometimes four-headed monster in the run game. It's, it's, it's only going to get better from here as long as everyone stays healthy, right? Um, well, before I let you go, tell everyone you're doing this this really cool thing with your fiance uh if you didn't see the yeah crazy uh the the video of me freaking out um I had had a few (laughs) tequila infused cocktails before MJ and David decided to spring that on me in all fairness but I lost my mind because I'm very I was very happy for you um and you are doing something very crazy with your fiance so uh explain for the record David is still upset that you cried more than I did on our engagement That's not fair. <laughs> oh, he's still really mad about it. He's like, see, that's how you cry. That's how you cry. <laughs> I'm a hideous crier. So no, that's no. not how you cry. Please, you look but what we're doing is, and, and your brother and his fiance, Monica, Jason and Monica were the very first ones to help us out in this. So what we're doing is we're going to the lope. As soon as all of this is lifted and we're able to, we're going to drive up to Napa and just lock it in, seal it. We don't know what's coming. So we didn't really want to wait any longer to be married more than we needed to. But we figured, you know, everybody's so distant right now because we have to be like, let's do something fun that brings them together, our football fam. So we're doing as different couples throughout um, our sports life are helping us pick aspects of our elopement and whatever they pick, we have to do on our elopement day. So Jason and Monica helped us pick our venue. So we are getting married at the courthouse. We can't change it. That's it. It's the courthouse. The other options that we gave them were a vineyard or a wine cellar, which the guys were very excited about. Yeah. Um, but courthouse one. So uh, we had Cam and Nikki Jordan, Cam Jordan from the New Orleans Saints. Um, they picked um, what our little reception of for two 
is going to be. So that'll be dropping this week as well. So it, it's been really cool um, to see everybody sort of really get on board and, and embrace this. Of course, Jason and Monica had to postpone their wedding. So I, they were so gracious in helping us out, but they knew, like they know what, what having to rearrange your life, a uh, big life milestone in the middle of this is. So it was perfect. Yeah. And where can everyone find the episodes of this? You can just go to my IGTV and the series is called Calling an Audible. That's what we're doing with this whole elopement. It's so cute. Um, yeah. My brother has had to reschedule his wedding four times now, which is really crazy. I mean, the, the good thing is that they had it plans, I guess. Yeah. So you just have to call the vendors, which at this point, right. I'm sure she's probably just texting them like, yeah, new date, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah no it's I mean it put everyone's lives on on hold and obviously you know the the priority is is health and you know safety and um you know making sure that we pay our bills and all that stuff but yeah I mean that's you know getting married is is the biggest day of your life and you know as you could tell from my hysterical freak out we've been waiting for this so yeah um, (laughs) we're we're gonna have the party for the record just like whenever the world is safe to do so again. oh so you are okay so you're gonna are you gonna yeah. have a ceremony too or you're just gonna have the party nah probably just the party just the party okay maybe so something we, symbolic but yeah can we still do the bachelorette uh, of course that's the okay. main reason why we're okay. you know that's party. the only reason i care when people Be are married yeah, let's do it. <laughs> i'm like okay great you're getting married cool where are we having the bachelorette yeah um, that group that is gonna be hype post-apocalyptic bachelorette i it listen you know how I am at Bachelorette's pre-apocalypse. So, right. yes, the turn up is going to be significant. I can't so wait. So real. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks, babe. It was really fun catching up with you, um, talking Shula and some football. Um, can't wait to see you, hopefully soon. Oh. Hopefully soon. I think in, in a couple weeks. In a couple weeks, hopefully. Yeah, let's um, hope. Yeah. Well, stay safe. I love you. Uh, and make sure that you follow you. MJ at MJ Acosta TV. And you can catch her on NFL Network and check out Calling an Audible on her Instagram TV also. With it. With it. With it. What? With it. We about to turn up in this bitch. All right, what up, Hello? What's going on? I'm going to quit it. Just a bunch of Jordan stuff, Joy. That's all we got. That's all we need. That's all we all need right. anyway. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it's nice to choose to do it. Yes. As opposed to have it have 1997 be now. Um, or 98, I guess. Um, okay. Republicans buy sneakers too. Oof. That probably hits a little different when I say it, but it didn't, it didn't land that well when MJ said it either. And your goat joy doubled down on it Sunday night on the latest episode of Cribs, the Michael Jordan's brain edition. The last dance was Air Jordan's last chance to fix it, but he stood by the controversial statement. Joy, Michael Jordan is a Republican, win or quit it. <laughs> um, man, uh, wasn't prepared for that one. I think I, I think I might be with it. Yeah, I think he might yep. be. He might be. But I yep. don't have a problem with him doubling down on the statement or saying that, you know, he never wanted to be out front with politics or social issues. One, I think everyone is kind of glossing over the fact that he, he said he did donate to the campaign. So right. he did privately support 
And yep. to me, I, I feel like everyone is just not acknowledging that. Like you, there are things you can do all the time to support different causes and you don't have to be public about it at all. In fact, one may argue that's more impactful because you're literally taking money yeah. out of your pocket and giving it to a cause that you believe in. Yeah. Now, obviously, when you have a platform, anyone, everyone, anyone has money, right? Whether you are broke or you are extremely rich, like giving money, right. whatever amount it is that you give, depending on your income, is a significant act, right? But everybody doesn't have right. a platform. And that's the real conversation that we're having here, right? So it's not right. that he doesn't support causes, because Michael Jordan has given millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to charity. He does things for people all the time. Uh, we had J.A. Adonde on The Herd today. He said, go look yeah. at the, you know, the, the front office structure of the Charlotte Hornets. You'll find it's actually very diverse. In fact, more, more diverse than most organizations. Yeah. There are a lot of things that Jordan has done to empower yeah, he, people and influence people and, you know, things for charities and things for people who are in bad situations over the course of his career and and a lot as of recent as well yeah he gave that he gave that uh drug dealer guy fifty seven thousand dollars in golf that was nice right well because he owed him and in general if you <laughs> owe a drug dealer you should pay them as quickly as possible <laughs> um all alleged of course but my point is the bigger point is i fully understand and i've always understood the frustration with michael jordan not being someone who wants to be out there with social issues i am someone who believes that I have a responsibility to use my platform to speak for the disenfranchised people who do not have a voice. However, I won't be told who, what, when, where, how, why I will use right. my platform. And that's an important right. distinction that you should always make as a human being, period. You can't be a follower as a leader. So there are a lot of things I care about that I don't talk about publicly. There's a lot of things I feel and think that I don't talk about publicly. Sometimes there will be, they would be extremely controversial. Sometimes everyone would agree with me, but guess what? Right. Everyone's not always going to agree with you. And that has to also be okay. Here's my thing with Michael. Do I wish that he was, uh, you know, a Muhammad Ali type? Do I think that it would be amazing if he had used more of his power and influence to affect the community in a, in a public vocal way? Sure. But I can't, wish that and then also accept who Michael is today. Michael has told us that ain't how I get down. It's not what I want. It's not what I wanted then. It's not what I do now. It's not who I am. And more importantly, above all else, you should want people to be authentic, right? Right. There ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. So you can't ask Michael to, to go out and speak on things that he doesn't believe in because here's what happens when you do that. You get caught up in stuff because you haven't researched it you don't truly care about it, you're going to end up contradicting yourself or feeding into what the opposition really wants, which is to get you caught up. So yep. I can't really wish for that. I, I can't really expect that of him. Michael Jordan has always been his authentic self. He continues to be his authentic self. He shouldn't apologize for any of it. Nothing he did was illegal. And, and that's how he lives his life. Is it, can it be disappointing? Yes. Does it take away anything that he did on the court, his influence and power and influence over culture? Sure doesn't. There's still people lined around the block in quarantine picking up his shoes. So it's it's not that it affected his legacy at all. 
It's just a different kind of legacy. Now, LeBron, I think, should be champion for what he's done when it comes to social issues and being active in the community and speaking out when when he's needed to. And he has. And he publicly supported Hillary Clinton, which, by the way, didn't matter. Still got Donald Trump in office. So, I mean, you know, how much did it help? Who knows? Because when you really think about it, what celebrity has ever come out with their endorsement? And you're like, you know what? I like them so much, I'm going to vote for the person they say to vote for. I, I can't yeah. think of one. My political affiliations, uh, if I even have any, which I, I really don't feel that I do, but whatever my political preferences or, or feelings on social issues or who I'm going to vote for is not influenced by whatever celebrity is endorsing them. Certainly not. MJ's certainly not going to flip you. If no you agree gonna, with them, great. Right. But. but that's all it really is, right? Nobody's flipping anybody. Think about it. Is there any one human person walking this earth that could tell you you need to vote for Donald Tr- Donald Trump and you would vote for him? No, any, and, it any should, and there being, shouldn't be. As, no, no, no. If there's someone who is intelligent, who is researched, who you respect, who has has great intentions, who could come to you and have that conversation with you? No, because you've made your decision. You know what you align with, and so do I. So a celebrity endorsing a a candidate is really there's really no true measurable value in that, other than knowing where they stand politically. Now, social issues, okay, issues in the community, things like police brutality, things like uh, women's rights. Things like, uh, you know, social disparities, economic disparities, yeah. um, healthcare disparities, those things are different. You can speak on those things and bring and enlighten people, bring people into an experience that they may not have had in their lives before. And because they respect you so much, they are now taking a closer look at it. Right. That is something different to me than politics. And so that conversation is a conversation that we I think we can have about Michael. But again, I think he's done a a lot with his pocketbook, as he should, to support a lot of causes in the community. And again, I fully understand the frustration. But but to put it in perspective outside of just the black community for because I know a lot of white people have a hard time understanding where it is we're coming from that. So to make it more broad. A woman, right? Everyone knows a woman. At least two, hopefully. At least two. So uh, as a woman, I don't want a man speaking on women's rights who is truly not invested in any way, shape, or form, is doing it for the wrong, inauthentic reasons, probably may not have a great track record with women in his own personal life, Okay, and it's not researched in it because then you're putting your face to a cause that means a lot to me that affects my life. And you may be inauthentic and your missteps while representing a cause I care about could then negatively affect the future of that cause. So if you ain't about the game, don't get in it. Now, that's a much broader spectrum, right, to look at it in. But that's how I can that's the best way that I can break it down. And again, you know, when you are a black celebrity and the status of Michael Jordan, as Barack Obama said, you are oh, yeah. you have an expectations of you that are not fair and that are not normal. And you are expected to not be controversial if you're representing certain corporate sure. entities. Yep. And you have to decide if that's worth it to you or not. I'm staring at a picture of Muhammad Ali right now. He's one of he's one of my favorite figures 
in, in, in all of history. He was impactful for one reason, because that is really how he got down. He was willing to sacrifice everything, and he did everything. sacrifice everything for what he Multiple believed times. in. If he was halfway in it, mm, I don't know, maybe, mm, who knows, maybe I will, maybe I won't, it wouldn't have had the impact that it did. The reason, and people didn't, everyone didn't love Muhammad Ali when he did what he did. The reason that, that history looked back on Muhammad Ali so kindly is because he was really about that life. Yep. And you can't argue his greatness and his impact and the influence that he had by standing on that. If he was even a little bit out on it and he could be swayed a little bit or talked a little bit into something else, it wouldn't have had the effect that he did. So again, I understand the criticisms of Michael completely and I have always felt that way. It's why I feel that LeBron is unquestionably the most astounding superstar that we've ever had. But to me, yep. that doesn't take away from what happened on the court. And we're seeing the authentic Michael, which which if you are truly a Michael fan, you already knew this Michael. You know what I mean? We're getting to know him yeah. on a little bit more intimate level, but nothing yeah. that's happening should be surprising. <clears throat> they scared to death. They scared to look. <clears throat> they shook. Ain't and no such thing as halfway, halfway crooked. Although LeBron gets caught out halfway crooked every once in a while, doesn't he? Just a little bit. Not when it comes to this. Trying, Not when it comes trying, to this stuff. His, his intentions are always pure, but you know sometimes it. I also just remember I got my light too. Oh, there you go. Oh, see, yeah, it gives a it gives an extra layer. Yeah. Little glow to it. All right, yeah. um, let's keep rolling with the Jordan stuff. Uh, we all have vices in this life, Joy. Except celebrities like Michael Jordan, they are perfect in every way. Which is why things like gambling and punking teammates make stands like Joy love MJ so much more. The coverage of those things made Jordan retire twice. But that's besides the point. Joy, perfection isn't relatable. Win it or quit it. Win it. I am, uh, as we know, a huge fan a of villains. I am a Jordan stan, but I am also a huge fan of villains. Uh, and I, I do don't, like I, I, I think that when I say that, it sounds uh, like I'm trying to be extra, but I think that the, the reality is if you, if you want a good story, right? Like, why yeah. do we love the Batman movies so much? The ones with Christian Bale, not Ben Affleck. Because um, were of Joker and Bane. Yeah, they were incredible villains. Dynamic, uh, elaborate villains that were very clear. Why was True Detective such an, such an incredible first season? Because the villain was so intense. It was so yep. evil. And, and like, the, from the first moment, the very first scene, you knew... You got to catch whatever dude this is that's putting the horns yep. on people. We're not with that, right? And the sticks, none nope. of this, right? So it's very clear. So villains are very important to the story. And sometimes you're the hero and sometimes you're the villain. Again, a great Batman quote. You either die a hero or live long, long enough to see yourself become the, the villain. Shout out to Harvey Dent. Right. And that's, that's, a, tr that's a true statement. It's, it's, a, it's a microcosm of society. We build people up to tear them down. And then if you are strong enough to then build yourself back up, because we ain't gonna help you. No. Build yourself back up, then we celebrate you even more because oh look, you know, you you had this great fall. Look how look how resilient you are. When in reality, you never had to fall in the first place. Most people, most people never had to fall in the right. first place. And, and Jordan is one of those figures. Jordan didn't do anything. It's not like a uh, Tiger Woods is, is a similar situation. I didn't, Tiger Woods didn't have to fall. Who cares what Tiger Woods yeah. does with his personal life? What makes you think you have a right to have an uh, have an opinion about what Tiger Woods and his wife are involved in? It has nothing to do with you. Not one single thing to do with you. It doesn't have anything to do with you and your wife. It doesn't have anything to do with Nike or Gatorade. It has something to do with, it has something to do with a couple of Perkins waitresses, but 
Okay, so then maybe Perkins can have beef, okay? But other than that, it don't have nothing to do with you. So we really don't need to tear you down. And the idea, the, the, it's a similar idea with Tiger Woods that, you know, well, we thought you were a, we thought you were a family man. <laughs> Who? Why does he owe you that? Why does he owe you this family man persona? Why does Jordan owe anyone this persona uh, that he's not a gambler and he's not a drinker and he doesn't smoke cigars and he doesn't do whatever it is that he does in his private time? What he owes you is the game, the interview, the interaction with fans. That's it. That's it. That's, yeah. that's the whole that's the whole job. Anything he does in his private time is none of your beeswax. And the, the idea that the media of all of all of the of the of the groups uh, and situations right. associated with Jordan during his career, that the media would be outraged at at, at this gambling, oh, gambling. It's the whole reason we have jobs. Gambling is the whole reason that this industry exists. Not the whole, okay? <laughs> but it's like ninety eight percent of the reason this industry exists. Okay, so just stop. All right, just just back off yeah. with this whole this whole bullshit about oh, he's sort of the gambling problem. A gambling problem. Yeah. I don't know anyone in this business who doesn't have a gambling problem or like is teetering. Right. Okay, it, right. it could be debatable. I'm actually one of the very few that has really no urging desire to gamble on sports because I, I don't. I, I just would rather spend that money on food. Okay, so yep. the, the the overall idea that Michael had a gambling problem or that it was questioned that he had a gambling problem. And look, him going to the casino, he would get crucified for that in today's society as well. So 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 that's understandable. But that for them to take it to he has a gambling problem, it was nonsense. And that that really again showed what Michael endured and this idea that Michael just had it easy, and that we've just anointed him the goat for any old reason, and it's just a lazy analysis that he's the greatest to ever do it, 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 it is not true. And that was the media coverage when there wasn't Twitter, Facebook, right. Instagram, and we are much kinder to stars now than we were then. And that, and that may sound crazy because of social media, but again, social media is fans. It's not just media. The media, yeah. the core media remains the same. That's There's more of us. There's more of us. There's bloggers. There's, you know, internet outlets. There's, you know, there's more media. But in general, if you want to have a relationship with 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 athletes, if you want access, this whole hammering uh, and being super critical, that's not that's not the world that we live in anymore. I mean, we're much more soft now. It's and it's it's fine. Yeah. We probably should be nicer, but it's just a different world. So. The, the whole idea that gambling was a problem and like you shouldn't be drinking and you know they got to hide right. the Miller Lite in the locker room. These things aren't illegal and, and, and they are vices, right? So the, the argument is really a moral one, right? So should you be gambling? Should you be drinking? Should you be smoking cigars? Now we're splitting hairs though. No one cares. Because if you were a famous person, and not just a famous person, if you were the famous person, what would the world think about your vice? Cast the first stone, homie. So that's my problem with it. It, it. It's not about whether he was gambling too much or not gambling too much. Who cares? It's not coming out of your pocket. Right. If Michael Jordan blew every last dollar he had, it doesn't affect your life at all. So what is it that you truly care about? People like to feel especially when it comes to celebrities, like they're better. Like, oh, well, I don't gamble, so. And yeah. I don't drink every night, so. And I don't, I've never touched a cigar, so. That's what it's no really one cares. about. No one cares. 
Um, you, you mentioned Tiger Woods. I think that's a great comparison. I also, when we were talking now, just thought of uh, Barry Bonds a little bit. And Barry Bonds was more outwardly a dick to the media. But similarly, Michael was untouchable in those interviews. You couldn't ca- – he, he didn't give you any inch for you to make a, make a headline or make anything off of him. And I think, you know, you see guys like Sam Smith on there talking. They got frustrated, and I think that they, you know, they they put their own feelings into their reporting, and I think that's that's some of what you get going after someone for doing legal things that we all do. So it's just a weird, it's weird how people get or when there's when there's one person that's clearly the man, the other men in the room seem to get a little weirded out by that, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, I won't say that that doesn't still exist. I mean, there's definitely vendettas and the egos. And, and when it comes to the media, yeah. we all have emotions. And, you know, we're human beings. Like, we're human beings covering other human beings. And we have a job to do. And that's fine. But it, we're nerds. And, like, that's the most important <laughs> thing to remember. And, and don't ever forget it. Like, we are the nerds in this situation. Oh, yeah. And the, oh, yeah. we are covering non-nerds. Okay? We're the nerds right. covering the nerds. It's our job to tell the story or it's our job to give our opinion on the story. Like I'm not a reporter, so I don't have to, I don't have to find out what's going on. I'm told what's going on. And then I choose to decipher that information, contrast it with information I already know, research other information, and then formulate my opinion, a responsible opinion. Yeah. That doesn't make me a journalist. maybe Maybe use some rhyming or alliteration to really drive it home at the end, you know? You know? Give it a little zazz. Sprinkle a little flavor on it. Give it some seasoning, mm. a little lemon pepper, mm. you know what I'm saying? Mm. A little squeeze. And then here you well, go. So bad. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Lemon pepper wings would be fire right now. <laughs> I'm doing Taco Tuesday tonight, though, so I can't I can't partake. They all are. Happy Cinco de Mayo, yeah. Yeah, happy Cinco de Mayo. Um, yeah, I think maybe Friday. Now you've completely derailed me. The point is, yeah, um, yeah <laughs> the, the egos aside, the, the, the coverage was different then than it is now. And I think if you remove social media, which is just a, which is, I think I, I would, I consider social media to be an added pressure, not coverage because social media is just a, a conglomerate of opinions. Yeah. It's not, no one's being paid to give those opinions. No one on social media has to do any research. They don't have any responsibility. Right. They don't have to answer for what they say. It's not the Can, same thing as actual media. It's confusing because there's news articles that are posted on there. And so there is elements of news, but you're right. At the end of the day, whoever's on, whoever's tweeting on there isn't making money for that tweet. They're making money for whatever they're trying to convince you of. Exactly. What up, Donnie? What's going on, Haiki Loki? What's up? All right, Haiki, the main bad guy in the Jordan doc is clearly Jerry Krause. Loki, Jerry Reinsdorf is even more to blame for the breakup of the Bulls. Yeah, he actually is. Um, I think Krause has become the fall guy for this whole situation. And yeah. he's, you know, he's kind of a more dislikable character. He's so pretty easy to blame. He's easy to blame. He's easy, easy target. And yep. when you see, you know, the coolest athlete that ever lived and Michael Jordan clowning him, it kind of makes it more acceptable. It's easier to pile on. Right. But he didn't do himself any favors, right? Like getting up there and saying, you know, it's it's happy for the players, but it's a great organization. All right. Like, okay, but it's but you didn't win anything without Jordan there. So it really is actually about the players. You made some good decisions, but maybe just calm down a little bit. 
And then exactly. also saying that Phil Jackson is for sure not coming back at the beginning of the season sets you up for an entire whirlwind of drama. I was just imagining watching that, like what would happen if that was going on today. I mean, what, uh, what an incredible storm he created for that yeah. team. Like the whole just, reason this, this documentary exists is because he had the nerve to go out there and say, Phil Jackson is 100% not coming back. He set the tone for the season like that. How you started off that way. Like no matter what, if, even if you win 80 games, it, it's crazy. Uh, that statement is insane in itself. So the idea that you've already made a decision, no matter how this, this story ends, which it did end great, as we know, yes. you are firing him. So you are responsible for removing the greatest coach of all time, arguably the greatest basketball coach of all time, and the greatest basketball player of all time. So, so he didn't do himself any favors. But Reinsdorf is actually the one to blame because he could have solved all this by just paying everybody. Yeah, yeah. He's the one pulling the strings, ultimately. He is the boss's boss. Right. He's Jerry Krause's boss. And if he right. wanted to pay everyone, and if he wanted to make sure that Michael Jordan stayed, he could have said, no, actually, we're not going to fire Phil Jackson. We're going to keep him, and we're going to pay him. And exactly. we're going to pay Michael Jordan, and we're going to pay Scottie Pippen, and we're going to pay Horace Grant, and we're going to pay Dennis Robin, and anybody else we need to pay to make sure that we keep this intact for as long as we can. We're going to ride it till the wheels fall off. And that's what they did not choose to do that. And Krause was the one who was out front of it. Now, Jerry Krause obviously probably carried out the desires of his owner, or he felt that way and convinced the owner that that was a good idea. But either way, if you're going to be out there saying things like, it's the organization. Yeah, you're setting yourself up to be the bad guy. Yeah, no, he did himself no, he did himself no favors. I don't think that, that the series is being unfair to him in any way. I think he created the persona and being out there and being out front and being so vocal as a GM you're putting yeah. yourself in the crosshairs. And sometimes history is not going to look back kindly on you, which we're not. But I do think Reinsdorf deserves a lot of the credit as well, if not more, for breaking all this up. And he was happy to, to, sh to shove Jerry right yeah, under yeah. the bus. Under the bus. <laughs> under, there you go. There's yep. for you. <laughs> under the, the wheels. Mm -hmm. That's that way. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he was happy to do that. So uh, I do think he does deserve credit for being incredibly cheap and, and not really being a good owner because – you need to pay people what they deserve. And, and yeah. Charles Barkley told a story on The Herd this week that when he finally did pay Michael, he still didn't even want to pay Michael. He, he fought with him to the very last second about paying him. It's just like, what is your mentality? You don't deserve that kind of greatness. Like, they were great despite Reinsdorf and Kraus. So yeah, I really don't like it. giving them too much, Reinsdorf and Kraus, too much credit. Because they were great in, in spite of them. Just because you happen to make a couple good moves here and there doesn't mean that you get credit for the overall dynasty. So right. the two of them actually, uh, but Reinsdorf more because he's actually the one in charge. Yeah, let's spread this blame out some more. I'm yeah. all for that. Give it a little more blame pie. <laughs> all right. High key, now that the NFL draft is behind us, we've all checked out our favorite teams' as NFL draft grades. Low key, they mean absolutely nothing. The draft is truly a crapshoot. We all know this. Yeah, so the 2017 draft class, half of them are not getting their fifth-year options renewed, including Mitchell Trubisky. That's half of the top 10 picks. No, there's no science to this. So all this whining and screaming and complaining about, oh, we were not going to be able to draft oh, on digitally. It's going to be very difficult. Well, when you had the entire draft completely intact and we didn't even know the pandemic was possible, you still whiffed on half of the top 10 picks just a few years ago. So 
Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Mahomes and Watson were not in that top ten. That that shows how much of a crapshoot this draft is. The draft in general is. Nobody knows anything. You don't know anything. You don't nope. know anything. Nobody knows anything. So just just, just go with where you're going with. And right now we're all very happy with our picks and we love it and we're all gonna go to the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, you just calm down on the draft a little bit. All right, it's a it's a crapshoot. If you get lucky, yeah. you get lucky. If not, oh well. Try again. Yes. All right. High key. Space Jam 2 is now officially Space Jam, a new legacy. Low key, what cameos are you looking forward to in this new movie? See, you know they're going to have cameos. This is the thing. We know there's going to be cameos, but there was a lot of players who didn't want to be in it. Yes. And this is why I'm super skeptical of Space Jam 2. One, Mm -hmm. kids don't know who Bugs Bunny is. Do kids watch Bugs Bunny? Looney Tunes doesn't really come on TV like that, like it used no, to. No, and even and they don't watch TV. They watch their iPads. Yeah, every yeah, kid I, I know has an iPad and they watch YouTube. Mm-hmm. Unboxing videos. Unboxing videos. <laughs> insane <laughs> unboxing videos. It's insanity to me. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's nonsense. You're watching a, another child open up a toy. Yes, you're watching someone else enjoy something. You're getting enjoyment out of it's like living vicariously through people. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's like baby reality shows and, mm-hmm. and 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 like how is that shaping the future okay whatever i don't have kids so i, I probably would let them sit there and watch unboxing videos all day long too but it's <laughs> yeah, just same. it's very strange to me that aside they don't watch cartoons and stuff like we used to saturday morning cartoons that was the plan that was the gig every week right so right. this space jam isn't going to be made for these kids though i feel like because of that this is going to be made for the people who were kids when the first space jam came out okay, it's made but for that's that's what scares me because we as adults have expectations <laughs> and we can be disappointed kids yes. are very easy to please bright colors mm-hmm. loud noises cartoons yeah. animation songs very easy la, 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 la. adults we come into it with expectations entertain me i'm paying you money and I have this expectation of what this film should be. That's right. what scares me about it. That I, I don't know what cameos are going to get from players. And, and because a lot of players have said they aren't going to, are we going to care about the players that have actually made cameos in this? I don't know. And then as far as stars go. I feel like they're going to have to lean on the stars because the players are not participating like they did before. So I feel I like mean, we're we- not going to get Larry Bird. We're not going to get Charles Barkley, right? Are we going to get Shaq? Are we going to get... Like who, who, what players would you, would need, here's a better question. What players would need to be in Space Jam 2, assuming that they're making it for our generation, right? Space Jam was ours, right? Yeah, so yeah, right. what players to you need to be in this movie in order for it to be great? First and foremost, Michael Jordan has to be in this movie. He ain't gonna be in this movie! Michael Jordan has to be in this movie. He's not gonna be in this movie. (laughs) He has to. And because you're saying that, you're setting yourself up to be super surprised when it does happen. And you're gonna enjoy the movie that much more. It's called A New Legacy, I think, for a new reason. Because original Space Jam, Michael Jordan, new Space Jam. That's a great name. Yeah, he's passing on the torch. He's got to be there. He's got to be present to pass on the torch. I got to see Michael Jordan in this movie. Otherwise, I will be disappointed no matter who else is in it. Okay, well, prepare yourself for that disappointment because MJ is showing up. <laughs> so who's next? Like, who's number two? Uh, if Kevin Durant was in it, that would be dope. But I know that that's not happening. But if it were to still happen. Like, <laughs> if my expectations were to not, like, if, if you were to surprise me, do that, please. I'm looking for some surprises. The people who we heard weren't going to be in it if they were. Giannis and KD, I'm trying to see them. You know what would be a good addition to this movie? 
No, it would save it for me. Find a way to get Larry David in this movie. If Larry oh. David is in this movie, <laughs> you will save yourself from whatever, because we will never say anything bad about Larry David. So if there you get Larry David in this movie, you're, 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 you're good. You're good to go. Anything pretty, is possible. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, what else is going on? All right. High key, Jordan Love will benefit from backing up Aaron Rodgers. No doubt. Low key, Cam Newton's an ex-MVP, and he's not trying to be anybody's backup. He's not. And people are getting very mad at me right now. Um, by the way, I offic- I'm officially done reading Twitter. This is my official announcement. So if you're trying to get at me on Twitter, wrong forum. I've given up. Um, I may just unfollow Smart. everybody. Uh, no, I'm still going to use Twitter. It's a very good news and information tool. But yes. as far as interaction, I think I'm good. But um, people are very upset I mean, with Twitter right now, particularly Steelers Nation, because I think, as I talked with MJ earlier, I think he needs to be a backup in Pittsburgh. Do I think that Cam Newton is a starter? Absolutely. Do I think it's yes. a good strategy to say that you're only going to be a starter? No, because while Cam Newton absolutely should be a starting quarterback in this league, you have to pay attention to the environment and the market. There's lots of people who should be things, but they can't be things because the envi- the timing is not right. You can't control yeah. every factor in the world. The market is saturated this year with quarterbacks. Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston is a backup quarterback in New Orleans. Marcus Mariota, Las Vegas Raiders. Like There are guys who have been starting for multiple years, as you have, Cam Newton, in this league who are now backups. Is Cam Newton more talented than them, a former MVP? Absolutely. Yeah. I can say that. I, two things can be true. You can be better than all these guys, and the market can also be saturated. Two things can be true, and that is the environment that we're in. So Cam Newton can sit back and say, I'm going to wait until someone gets injured. But here's the problem. What if the person who gets injured is Drew Brees? Seamus Winston's there. Yeah, what if the person who gets injured is uh, Derek Carr? Marcus Mariota's there. They're so. Prepared. Not every team needs a backup to the to their backup either. So like yeah. they, they don't they don't need that situation. So that's why I think Pittsburgh is the perfect scenario for him. Nobody's going to be yelling for him to be the starter over Ben Roethlisberger unless Ben Roethlisberger actually gets hurt. The Steelers are a cornerstone organization. It would be great for Cam's reputation. Not that I think he needs it because I don't. I think it's all media driven bullshit. But regardless, that's the environment that we're in right now. So I'm a solution oriented person. That's the solution I have for the situation. Is the situation bullshit? Yes. Is it wrong? Yes. Is the market saturated? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> now we got to move <laughs> forward. I think that's the best case scenario for him. Hi, T. Time for the culture report. What's going on? Hi. How much? How are you? I'm good. You know, quarantine, eating snacks, you know, <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> Um, so what's going on the culture report this week? Okay, so uh, Justin and Haley Beaver have a new 12-episode digital series on Facebook called The Beavers on Watch. The first episode premiere on May 4th, and they open about their relationship, the most rewarding thing about being married, the hardest part being married, and talking about forgiveness. And Joy, I didn't realize that they're young. Like, Justin Bieber's only 26. Haley is only 23. So I don't know much about their relationship, but I definitely enjoyed the first episode. Uh, what do you think about the Beavers having their own show? I love it. This this snuck up on me. Um, I think that she is just one of the most stunning human beings alive. Oh, yeah. Like, she's so beautiful. 
And Bieber has just taken this really crazy path to like where he is now, which whatever, you know, I can't, there was a point where Justin Bieber was like public enemy number one. Like nobody could stand Justin Bieber. Yeah. And he went from the darling to just the worst guy. And, and I don't ever think he was the worst guy. He was just being a young, insane, rich kid that had the world at his fingertips. Like that's, we've seen it a million times. But I do think it's kind of an interesting turn his, his life has taken now that he's married and he's very committed and they're very open about their relationship and like what they're going through. And like you said, they're very young. So it's not they like, are. it's not a, 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 you know, we're getting a glimpse into someone's marriage who's been married for a long time. And, you know, it's, they're just having this really crazy public experience. So I think it's cool. I, I Facebook does a great job. They did the, you know, follow the family, obviously they do a uh, red table talk. So I'm sure the production on it is going to, is going to be great. What did they say was the hardest part about being married? Mm, um, I believe so they were both talking about the importance of um, just forgiving each other and not dwelling on like the past and how they understand that there has been some hurt because in there, there has been hurt and there has been other people that have come in into like each other's lives when they were on their little break. So to come back, to know all that happened and to come back together, it's like, you have to really, you have to, you have to be like completely full. You have to be full. You have to be whole. And, um, they also mentioned too, it's important to just forgive and know that that's something that happened during that time, but that they grew from it. So that nice. is, that's, that's actually quite wise. Forgiveness is yeah. a lot harder than it's a lot harder done than said. It sounds nice until you For actually sure. have to do it. Um, okay. So yeah. what else is going on? All right. So Megan Thee Stallion dropped Savage Remix featuring Beyonce. And can I just say, I love when Beyonce rap sings. Me it's too. Literally like my Her rap singing ever. is so fun. It is. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so the track, is, uh, the track is aimed to raise funds for obviously those in need of assistance due to COVID. So proceeds earned from the sale of the song will go directly to Bread of Life Houston. Well, with that being said, the mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, he's going to present both ladies with their own respective days do their contribution uh, to uplift Houston during this time. So Joe, I'm here for this. The song is fire and I'm just here for this. It's I amazing. I love it. First of all, yeah. Meg has been content queen number one. She is thriving during this quarantine, honey. So, <laughs> I, which I love because I'm a huge fan to begin with. So she's been on it. Uh, I mean, Savage, obviously the TikTok dance has been everywhere. And now we have the remix. So we've got the remix dance. So that ain't going nowhere. And no, I'm still not going to do it. But um, I love it. I, I, I love when Beyonce sing raps. It's so fun. And I'm 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 a big Meg Thee Stallion fan. She's great, and she's crushing it right now. And it's it's so it's cool to see them working together. Obviously, both Texas girls, and the the song is phenomenal as well. So I, I'm here for all of it. And it's nice that they're that during this time there's like an awareness that you know we can do this and help out Houston and help you know a community that's struggling. Obviously, a lot of communities struggling right now. So. I, I think it's I think it's great. And the song is fine. Yeah, it is. But like I'm with you. With the with the remix, I can't learn this TikTok. I, I watched it and I I got confused. I'm like, like, I can't. Yeah. If you don't jump to put jeans on, you don't feel my pain. Like that's all I feel that's all yeah, I can do is to pretend like I'm I do. trying to put jeans. I, I, I do all. feel your I do feel your pain. <laughs> 
feel your pain. <laughs> I can relate to that part and that part only. I just can't get into TikTok. I've tried. I made an account, so I have an account. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm not a choreographed dancer. I'm more of a tequila dancer. So <laughs> I, I just don't, I can't follow. And then the thing, and it's, I don't do it. I'm not cool enough for it. I'm just not. I'm not cool enough or I'm too cool. <laughs> I, but I've tried. So it's not that, uh, actually I have not, I've not tried any dances at all. That's not true. <laughs> I've tried to figure out TikTok. Do you remember dub smash? No. So I, dub, I remember that, but I don't know. You remember Vine? Yes. Right. So TikTok is like a more advanced mushing together of Vine and dub smash. Dub smash was like clips from movies and clips from songs. And you basically just did like a TikTok thing. Like you just like mouthed along with them, but it didn't have all the elaborate edits and things that you could do with it. Either way, I got enough (laughs) social media and stuff going on. I got uh, in this quarantine time, I've managed thankfully to stay very busy. I can't take on TikTok too, but I love the I love the dances. It's great. They're fun. I watch all of them. Keep it coming. What else? Right. (laughs) So Nicholas Cage will play Joe Exotic in a new Tiger King scripted CBS eight-episode miniseries. And it's based on the monthly article, Joe Exotic, A Dark Journey into the World of a Man Gone Wild. Now, Joy, the docuseries literally just dropped on Netflix back in March. Is it too soon for a miniseries? I mean, who knows, right? Well, I do think the casting is perfection. For sure. The only other... Maybe David Spade... But I think it would be too far comedy for David Spade to do it. So um, I love Nicolas Cage as the Tiger King. I got to be honest, I never got around to finishing Tiger King. So (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'll be more interested in the in the scripted series. I will eventually finish it. I just feel like I got I got the idea. Like, I feel like I know what's going on. Um, And then I since moved on to Ozarks and finished that. And I have to finish Narcos (laughs) and I've got Insecure. I've got a lot going on. So, yeah, yeah. plus movies, I'm good. But I do wonder, can it be better than the real thing? Mm. Because the real thing is unbelievable. And that's what made it great. As like, this is really happening. This is real life footage of these people living in this alternate universe amongst the rest of us doing this crazy shit. And they're like, it's so unbelievable. So like now that we're going to have a scripted series, how can it possibly be better than the real thing? Yeah. The the fact that they said scripted, I mean, you kind of of lost me a little bit there because you said the original one was, I mean, it's actually really good. I mean, Joe looks crazy, but it's, but it is good. I mean, it's entertaining in a sense. Um, Obviously not the animals being that's that part is in, but I mean, just him, like he's, you know, he's he's funny, but nevertheless, um, I think I think Nicolas Cage would be a great Joe, but I don't know if I'm really ready for um, a scripted series unless depending on who's writing it or who's like who's who's behind like the production. Yeah, the production is going to be everything because it needs to be authentic because the real thing is unreal. I want to tell you that I think that uh, Danny McBride could have also played Joe Exotic. I thought Danny McBride basically is Joe Exotic minus the tigers, (laughs) but. That's my thing, though. Like, if it goes too far to, a, like, comedy, then it just becomes a comedy. And then it's yeah. kind of like, we don't need the comedy. The real thing is funny and crazy. You know what I mean? So it's almost like it's got to be really serious so that we For can sure. see, like, the dark side and feel that. Uh, that, to me, is, like, the only direction that would make it, like, a different 
wrinkle for me. I wonder if there's going to be sex scenes. There's a lot of sex going on. A lot of sex. <laughs> yeah. Inscripted, I'm pretty sure. A lot of weird sex, too. So <laughs> what else is going on? All right. So what shows have you been watching this week? Okay. So my show this week is Too Hot to Handle. It is mm. on Netflix. It's a very easy watch. Um, I am in the middle of it right now. Basically, the premise of the show is um, it's not like Love is Blind at all. Love is Blind is like very serious. It's funny. And it's entertaining. And it's kind of crazy. But it's not it's not like it's a, it, whereas Love is Blind is more like Bachelor Bachelorette. Like it's like a respectable mm-hmm. show and you're really like getting engaged. You're getting married. Uh, too Hot to Handle is like Flavor of Love. So, and, and, and like, to be clear, like, uh, the thing about Too Hot to Handle that makes it amazing is we all know people like this. So it, it's basically a group of really shallow Instagram people that, like, really yeah. actually care about their Instagram. Like, like, they're like, yeah, I have 300,000 followers on Instagram. Like, who, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. But these people really care and they're obviously really incredibly good looking. So they put all these incredibly good looking people on this island and they have to stay there for a month and they all meet each other and then they immediately start start talking about each other. It's crazy. So like they're, (laughs) they meet and they start talking about having sex right away. Like, oh my God, I'm going to have sex with that guy. And like, maybe I'll have sex with that guy. It's like crazy. Who who talks like that? Who? What? So, but that's really like, and it's all normal to all of them. Like, that's what they're all like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I want to have sex with that guy too. Like, what are you talking about? So that's their first day, and then the, the, it gets dropped on them that they're not allowed to have any sex on this island because they're all trying to earn a hundred thousand dollars. And every time you participate in any kind of sexual activity, whether it's kissing or anything, money gets taken out of the pot. So then like the whole island divides in front of like from the people who like really want the money and the people who kind of care about the money and then people who don't care about the money and like just want to have sex. One of the girls starts crying. It's like great. It's, it's, it's such an, so it's dramatic. an easy watch. It's an easy watch because it's funny. Um, and it's yeah. like, you don't have to think. So that's why I would recommend it. If that's what you're looking for, if you're tired of like the heavy movies and the very elaborate shows, it's a nice, like while you're having lunch, put on too hot to handle great Great bite. Great yeah. snack show. Yeah. But I just want to say that I wasn't going to watch it because I, I decided to take a little break from shows. I was only watching movies because I could be done with it. But I did watch one episode. Enjoy. One episode turned into five. Yeah, you We just problem. talked yesterday. I have a problem. And so I'm on episode five right now. You this is problem. crazy. You do. But it's very it's very entertaining. You need, you need Bingers uh, Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> T, T literally said on the meeting, she's like, I'm not watching any more shows because I'm going crazy. And I told her about the show. And in between that time and now, you've watched five shows. Yeah, you're five, probably. Five. I do. You I do. do. The first step the first, towards recovery is admitting you admitting. have a problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, All right. great stuff this week. Thank you, T. Hope you're staying safe. You too. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to MJ Acosta for stopping by. Make sure you go follow her at MJ Acosta TV and check her out on NFL Network. Make sure you subscribe to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast on YouTube and you can listen on any anywhere that you listen to podcasts, iHeartMedia app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and follow us on social media at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod. Stay safe. Hopefully we'll be over with this soon. Thanks for checking us out again and have a great week. Mm-hmm.
Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Oh.